down in front. changed my life completely and the lives of seven others. Janet Walker, Henry Kentley, the boy's father, his aunt, Mrs. Atwater, his best friend, Kenneth Lawrence, a housekeeper named Mrs. Wilson, and the two who were responsible for everything, Brandon Shaw and Philip Morgan. Welcome back to Old Fogies and Films. Each episode, the members of this panel take turns assigning a film to watch and discuss. We have... Ruth. Bahad. Kia. Eric. And me, Shelley. This round, I assigned the Fogies to watch Alfred Hitchcock's Rope uh, that was released in 1948. And it was based off of a 1920s play. And in turn... I read that the 1920s play was based off of a real um, story, a real, a true story. So this movie is loosely based off of a true story. And um, the movie begins when two young men, Philip and Brandon, strangle a friend to death with a rope and then hide his body in a chest. They continue to have a dinner party while the body is in the chest. Um, and they, um, got the guests that are invited to the party include the dead man's um, dad, his fiance, and a college professor. A fun fact I learned about this film was this was Jimmy Stewart's first Technicolor film. So it was his first movie done in Technicolor. It was Alfred Hitchcock's first Technicolor movie, right? Is that right? I don't know. I read Jimmy Stewart's. I didn't know. Oh, it might be both, but I think I read it was Alfred Hitchcock's first Technicolor. Okay. Which is really crazy to me because think about what that technology was like back then. Like, wow, movies are in color. Yeah. We've come a long way. I read a, I read um, a long time ago that, um, People like to think that a lot, all movies before the 60s had to be in black and white because it didn't exist, but color exists for a long time. It was just, uh, I think, more expensive. Yeah. Uh, and, then, and then later, people would continue to do black and white just for design reasons, even if they could get color. You know? Which weird. actually, which, which Alfred Hitchcock did in 1960 yeah. with Psycho. Obviously, he <clears> could <throat> make a movie in color, but he wanted that movie to be in black and white. So it was. Yeah, I think that's interesting. And I, I wish, I kind of think it would be interesting if we made movies now in black and white, like if if directors made that choice. Yeah, you remember the artist, movie, the artist? The artist, yeah. Did it win the Oscar that year? It was nominated for Best Picture. I forget if it won. That was pretty cool because it was not only black and white, it was actually the first silent film in like 80 years or something. <laughs> oh, that's interesting too. All right, so I am going to talk about what I liked or about my thoughts about this movie first. And then I'm going to call on all of you all to see what you all thought of it. So I really enjoyed this movie. I hadn't even heard of it until a couple of weeks ago. And I was looking up um, different Jimmy Stewart movies that I wanted to watch. 
and then therefore wanted to share with you all. But um, I watched another one of his before this and I was going to pick that one, but then I wanted to also include, well, I love, and I think we've talked about this before, when directors have actors that they love to work with over and over. Um, and so Jimmy Stewart worked with Alfred Hitchcock a lot and I love both of them. So um, I wanted to see what this movie was all about and I watched it twice in the past couple of weeks. Ooh, and I actually enjoyed it more the second time I watched it. I picked up on things that I hadn't noticed the first time. So if you all are so inclined, I would suggest watching it a second time. What um, was so, the other movie you watched that you almost picked? Um, Anatomy of a Murder. Oh, okay. I haven't seen that one either. Or not either. I've seen this one, but I hadn't seen that one. Um, that's a good one too. So I, the first, I really did enjoy this. And I, I loved the, um, I think it's called like a one shot film where, or where it's, you know, where it took place over a couple of hours and it looked like it was done all in one shot. And I was trying to imagine how difficult that must have been with the technology that they had then, how difficult that must have been for the actors. And I really, I, I, I like that. It kind of reminded me of what, what was that one that we just, uh, Hush was kind of this similar, right? Um, and there were only eight characters and I felt like every character had a purpose. And so I, I just found that, in, that, that interesting. Um, I loved the screenplay and I loved the use of language, right? So I, I really found it interesting. And I noticed this even more the second time was all of the like language that they used. And I wrote it down, like um, the double meaning language, like, I think that Philip talked about how he was going to be locked up when he was talking about um, having to go out of town to do the piano at Brandon's mom's house. And, oh gosh, her name, what was the fiance's name? Janice. 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 I was Janet. gonna say Janet. Janice. Janet. All right, so she said to Brandon, oh, you're just gonna play a foul trick on us and end up hor horribly famous. And she wasn't obviously talking about murder. Um, she, I forget what she was talking about, but, but all of those uses of language. And she told him that she could just strangle him. And, and you remember the aunt um, said, uh, she was trying to read his fortune, said those hands are gonna make you very famous. And of course, most people would think, oh, cause he plays piano, but he's yep. like, actually it's because I used them to kill someone. Kill somebody, that's right. So <laughs> there, were, there were lots of those. I couldn't keep up with writing them all down, but I, I enjoyed that. And I also really liked, and Hitchcock does this a lot, where he's able to be creepy and and kind of not scary. I wouldn't find this movie scary, but like um, like eerie without having to actually see. So it's like all in your like you're imagining. Um, oh my gosh, how awful! First of all, I want to know if anyone else. I hated the character of Brandon. I found him so arrogant and awful. I hated him too. <laughs> and how terrible, I mean, this trick, this, this game, this um, experiment that they were playing was absolutely horrible. When you think about it, that they, he invited this, um, is it David? David, yeah. His parents yeah. and his fiance, and he's dead in this chest and they're there 
under the guise of looking at the, these old uh, first edition books. And how awful is that? And then on top of that, not all, I mean, how awful is that? But then they invite Janet's ex-boyfriend there to kind of add the insult to the injury that, that let's, let's see if we can get them to flirt. Let's see if we can get them together. And then they tie up the books to send them home with the dad with the rope that they used to kill him with. I mean, it's just horrible if, if you just sit and you think about how awful this was. And I, I often, I spent the whole movie also thinking like, we're just seeing a couple hours, but there's an aftermath where everyone who was at the party is going to find out. And I was imagining them finding out later, like, yes. oh my God, we were at, in that room the whole time. It's so <laughs> disgusting. It's so disturbing. Yeah. Um, so I have a lot more I want to say, but I feel like I'm talking a lot. So I want to hear what you all have to say and if you all enjoyed it. And so first I'm going to ask Takia. Oh, yes. I, this is right in my alley. I love, love, love it. Yes. It was, um, it's interesting. It wasn't, it wasn't like the year all out Hollywood style of mystery and drama and everything all rolled into one. Like it was very subtle, quiet with that eeriness that built up to the, the finale. But like I said, it, it was, it, that makes sense why I say that it's not like done like Hollywood is today, but it was more of like a, a, like, you mentioned the word eerie, an eerie buildup without all the 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 glitz and glamour. It makes sense, like, but yeah, you didn't have you don't have to have things things that go boom to emphasize, you know, like right. gun battles and all this stuff. Like it was, it was nice in a slow burn in a way. Like that's an eerie burn. Yeah, I love the leading up to the uh, the crowdy this. The realization that something happened, you know, and and like James Stewart's character was brilliant, and immediately realizing that something's not right, you know, and, and like and he he was questioning, and the question was was, I mean, I can't, I can't really use the word subtle. I feel like I want, I want some other antonyms. What do you call them? Synonyms. <laughs> but I'll say subtle now. Like um, yeah, but but yeah, it, it was the way he was doing. I like that. And then it, then it built up more and more, and I liked how they were slowly. Like they were, you know, it's funny, the, the one, Philip was the huge prick and his friend <laughs> was No, like, Brandon was the Brandon. prick. Brandon, Brandon was the jerk. Philip was the sweet boy who got roped into it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's like struggling with. Wow, okay. I was looking back too to make sure I got the names right. Okay, so Brandon's a prick. He's a, the, the Mr. Prep boy. I'm, I'm like, I'm all that. I'm going to- Smarter do. than everyone. I can plan yes. this out. And I, I was, and then the idea of the murder was to prove that he could outsmart everyone, you know, with like, because I'm, I, I'm smart. I know. And, and based on also what James Stewart, was he like a professor? His professor? He was their former headmaster of their yes. school or, or house head or whatever they used. Like yeah. their dormitory or something. It was interesting yeah. how he, he is in his psych, you learn later, he's kind of psychotic. He's in his psychotic mind. He took what he said about, um, I need to write that down too, his whole metaphor. What he was James about, James, what he was talking about murder. Yes, yeah, he morality took it in general. He took it all. James, very even, yeah, and even James Stewart was like, "Hell no!" He, I didn't. You took it like that. Whoa, you got some things, some demons going on in there in that head there. Yeah. It, it wasn't supposed to be like taken up, taken like that. So, and it was interesting too. Like, like I see that even in regular crime now, like the the there there's the there's the the, the prick Brandon, and then there's like the accomplice. 
But you know, the accomplice seems to have more heart. He has a, more of a soul, but yet he he was like you say he was roped into it. Oh, rope also using that kind of way to to yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I knew that, but I, I, I like that analogy. If I'm using the right word, that I, I like that. There's a rope, but then also the friend is roped into it. So all through there, he's. It's, well, it's before also- you move on, uh, I just want to point out that the original play uh, before it came to America in UK was called Rope's End, as in like I'm at the end of my rope. <laughs> <laughs> all those thought, like, oh, there's a lot of the uh, playful it's a lot of wordplay happening yeah, yeah. i like see, that's what that's what a, I, like, I like those smart like old, old smart movies like that, that that use i don't have to use a lot of you know glitzy 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 things and like yeah so that it was it was cool i, I yeah it, it it was definitely the creepiness factor was really cool too like like they're all having dinner on top of this body here and, oh, yeah. there, and this point that all that just yeah, it, it just it really pulled you in. I really like this movie. Yeah, I, I like I love. I've always been a sucker for, um, the, yeah, uh, mystery and yeah, the suspense mystery. So this was really good. Yeah, um, I'm trying to think. Someone, I want to say something else about it. Um, but yeah, I like the, the two personalities too. The, the the, what one point I think was Philip had asked Brandon, you know, don't you feel anything, and. He was like, no, I feel nothing. It was kind of interesting, subtle to subtle point that he was. He's, slight, he's mad, so, so and Philip had uh, remorse. Yeah, Philip had oh, remorse. Right. Brandon had none. They both were in this crime together, but it's interesting how Philip, right? Philip's, okay, Philip was wait, she's Philip was feeling, yeah, the remorse and all the uh, very you know scared, almost like sorry he did all this. He said remorse that he did that. When the other guy was like, you know, I'm gonna play this up till the end you know I, I want to get notoriety in a quiet way without while committing the perfect crime like getting away with this so he's even till the end he was very you can see some there was like no remorse but he was he was scared but then still kind of like at the end I like the end where they both instead of cowering they're, he's playing the piano he's taking his drink knowing that they have they, they, they're, they're screwed that they're gonna be caught so yeah, all around it was a very, it was a good production. Like it was very, yeah. I, I like the story, I like everything about it. So, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Before we move on, I just want to say I absolutely loved the use of him playing that song. That song was so haunting that he was yeah. playing, and when he used the the metronome, yes. it re- it was or it reminded me like uh, the telltale heart, right? So he like, was driving him crazy. He also kept throwing the... it off the beat from what he was trying to playing, which made like Philip more frustrated. Like, you know, cause I think he knew like he'll get him to spit something out if he yep. really pushes him. <laughs> I, I want to note the, the, the weirdest thing was the, the murder. He's sitting there, like he's tying a bow around him. He's going, oh. Yeah, it's a weird like, way to strangle somebody, right? But like it was, it was too, <laughs> I don't know. It didn't look as serious enough. Like he's being strangled, but he was just kind of, yeah. I, you know, it's nineteen forties type. Oh, yeah, of- that's what I I chalk it up to. That I don't know that, <laughs> that in nineteen forty eight they were gonna have a very graphic murder strangulation scene. Because really, they'd have to wrestle him to the ground and then that's what- pin him. Because I mean, if you're standing, like he could have just like been punching around. Like, yeah, yeah, Eric. That's what I was but getting. He wasn't trying. That's what I was getting at, Eric. Yeah, yeah, you could like just take his fist, go boom, boom. You know, kick, kick him in the groins, stuff like something like that. You know, he just. But it was survived. weird that we only saw the very end, so we didn't see how they got him. He got him there, and then how that began. It was just Maybe like it immediately down. started with them. Him, he was basically dead. Yeah. Interesting, and I wonder. I I don't know, but I'm guessing t- the time times. 
that maybe they weren't showing graphic murders? They weren't. Oh, uh, it was under the Hays Code, so they had to be very, very careful. Yeah. yeah. Maybe that, still, and that's all it took. I have a few things to say about that later, but. Yeah, they still had the man, the husband and wife in two separate beds, that, that type of thing. You couldn't show a toilet. You well, know, people actually live that way. Uh, I looked it up once because I, I used to think it was a myth that what you just see on movies, but it, it, people I actually do. didn't. Because yeah. a long time, like a hundred years ago, somebody, people started um, this rumor that it was uh, more hygienic and safe to sleep apart, that sleeping together would, you know, oh, diseases and things like that. So people thought it was a better thing. And then, of course, everyone realized it was just uh, nonsense. But, <laughs> but people kept doing it through into the, I think, in, into the 60s. Hmm. I didn't know that. All right. So oh, next. One more thing. Um, Somebody mentioned about this on the, the credits in the beginning about Hume Cronin, that he was a writer yeah. or something. Oh, he adapted he movies, Cocoon, and those other old people movies in the 90s. I just watched Cocoon like two weeks ago. Old people. And Cocoon. <laughs> I that. mean, but that was really random and crazy. Like Hume Cronin, like, I, my, my mind was racing. Like, well, I know that dude. Oh. And that's interesting because his wife, Jessica Tandy, was in The Birds, an Alfred Hitchcock movie. I did not know that. She was in The Birds? Yeah, she's uh, the main, the lead male character's mother. When he goes back oh. to the Bay, she's she lives alone and he visits her. I did not know that. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah, she's it's the youngest I've ever seen her. That is cool. Yeah, she's still playing somebody's mom. It's still, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she she was born an old woman. Played a lot of moms. I do remember that. Well, I, love, I love Cocoon, though. That uh, I really enjoyed seeing it. In. Cocoon: The Return. Unfortunately, even Courtney Cox couldn't save it. It was kind of a shit show. But um, but he also Battery's not included. Hume Cronin and Jessica Tandy in that one as well. Another movie. I yes, loved. I think I loved Cocoon two more than Cocoon one. <laughs> uh, try watching them now. I really think no. I don't know. It's just another example of my love for sequels over the originals. Um, something I wanted to say on the heels of what uh, Takia was talking about because we. Well, oh, that's good because I was going to call on you next. So let's okay. hear. Let's hear it all. <laughs> we'll start with that. Uh, was that um, we talked about uh, how the death scene was a little maybe glamorized and not so violent, um, and they were un were under the Hays Code, and part of the Hays Code required that um, evil people actually get their comeuppance. Like you can't mm. just let them get away with something. So. Um, in the original play, apparently it just, uh, it ends at some point and there's no like calling the cops or anything like that. I think mm -hmm. the, uh, oh, it ends at the point where Jimmy Stewart's character realizes that they did kill him. And then right. it's just, but they couldn't do that in the movie. So they had to have, you know, the sirens come so that everyone would know the killers are gonna have to have trouble. <laughs> yeah. um, but the, the worst example of that I can think of is, do you remember the bad seed? black and white movie a long time ago. Oh yeah, I never saw it. I've been wondering. That, that was also based on source material where I think the little girl just kind of gets away with it. She's just a little girl. So, but for the movie version, they couldn't allow that to happen. So that's why there's this final scene at the end of that movie where if I remember correctly, she's standing on a pier and I think lightning strikes her. <laughs> Something oh. like that because she had, to, you know, uh -huh. she had to go. You can't let her get away with it. Wow. Um, so anyway, I really love this movie. Um, it's been a long time since I saw it and it was still just as good. And I love when a movie like from 1948 with a very like simple structure is still like so intriguing. Like every, I'm hanging on every word and every movement. I'm like, this is so fascinating. It's, it's like this puzzle put together. I, I love that. Um, I also liked that it was done in one shot 
Uh, I read that a lot of the cast and crew really thought that was a mistake because it was very, very difficult to shoot. They Technicolor only made cans in 10 minute increments. So they had to find ways to like shoot for a full 10 minutes and then make it, you know, some kind of dissolve so that then the next can would, it would look like nothing had actually been cut. Um, and apparently one of the stories was that uh, at one point a cameraman uh, or, or somebody actually ran over a cameraman's foot and broke it. Oh, but they had gosh. to keep going. So it's the scene that they were shooting when that happened is still in the movie. And they had to gag the person whose foot got broken and just drag him off set. Oh, wow. They could not afford to stop. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but I also think like it's, in, they got some incredible shots. I, I the one specifically, I remember seeing that I was amazed by was in the middle of one of these really long shots, the housekeeper walks through like two rooms and she goes into the kitchen and had that swinging door. Uh, oh no, I think it was, it wasn't her, it was um, Brandon. He goes through the kitchen and he pushes through the door. And so it swings, at, but you it swings so perfectly. You see it, it like closes, but then it opens and you see him putting the rope in the yeah. drawer. And I was like, wow, I mean, just, what if you just didn't hit the door right or something? <laughs> did not do it. And you had to cut that whole thing after all of that dialogue. So it's pretty incredible. I think it was worth it. Apparently the play was done that way too. And I, I like that it, it's sort of like they tie a little rope at the very beginning of the story with the death, but then you follow the, that thread, if you will, throughout the rest of the story to see where it goes and, and how's it gonna end up. And I, I thought that was very, very interesting. Um, I also love that it was 80 minutes. They, they need to start making movies this long again. <laughs> I agree. Two and a half hours. It was a perfect length. I love a good tight 80 to 90 minute movie. It's yeah. Like, tell a good story and you should you should aim for that um the other techniques that they used i like that it begins with this complete silence it's very nerve-wracking like right after the deed is done it's just so quiet and they do that at the end too after everyone leaves the party it's so quiet again it's so it, you really feel for some reason in that silence you feel the sort of guilt and fear about being caught um that apparently brandon didn't feel but certainly what philip was <laughs> Uh, that was, I remember growing, like my whole life I've heard about Leopold and Loeb, who, who are the two murderers that this was, all of these stories were based on, right. but I never bothered, I think, to look them up. So this movie, this watch of, of this movie actually finally made me look them up and it's very me interesting. Too. Yeah, it is. My gosh, it was, that's so scary too. Yeah, that was quite a story. They killed, Horrifying. A, they killed a 14 year old boy. Oh yeah. So they kill a adult friend. It was a kid. Oh, yeah. um, but I thought the changes were interesting in this movie because they really make it like where Brandon is kind of a manipulative leader. And Philip that's, the, that's the perfect word for him. So oh, manipulative, so awful. And I thought he was so good at it, like trying to set up friends and try to control everything that's happening and with that horrible smug smile every time he was doing something because like, look at me pulling it off because I'm so much smarter than all of you. I can just move you like little pieces. Um, so infuriating. And then they, they play Philip as this, the, the, like kind of the good guy who got pulled into everything and probably regrets it, or he regrets, regrets it from the moment it happens. But in the real story, I don't think it was like that. They were both a bit disturbed and they, they, they went to, I think they supported each other through all of it. And I can imagine that at the end of this movie, when they go to court, I'm almost positive Brandon is going to try to come up with some uh, defense to, to blame a lot of it on Philip and try to say that like he was the one that didn't really want to be involved in this 
because that seems like the personalities that they're putting together here where Philip can't defend himself and Brandon is going to manipulate everything to his benefit. So yeah, hated him, <laughs> but I love their and interactions. They were so, both so good. I loved though. Oh my gosh. Who is David's aunt that was there? I forget her name. Oh, um, it is Mrs. Atwater. Mrs. Atwater. I, I loved her, her character. I, I found her okay. charming and, was, and, and that just was like, yeah, that so, was like a stereotype. Like, I don't know if we do it anymore, but no, but I just loved it. Aunt who's into astrology and doesn't make a lot of sense and everything. She's kind of goofy. Like, I love how she just makes up the for the fortune, though. It's like, yeah, you obviously have nothing. You know nothing about this, but let me look at your palms. And- yes, <laughs> and she just wanted to go out to dinner, and she was so excited to be at a party. She was just so like, oh, bitsy lady. And then later she's going to find out that she had a party over her. I know that's so upsetting. Very upsetting. Uh, I, so back to the two leads, I really love the way they played the parts. They did it really well. It was a very uh, um, amazing relationship that they, they built for each other to each other on screen. And I like also that um, it seemed like they sort of had things planned out well in the beginning, but pretty quickly you realize that it's not just that it's hard to get away with a crime because there's evidence of things it's the fact that his Brandon's eagerness to prove all of this it, it could get them caught, but also Philip's nervousness. One of the two of those opposite personality types is definitely going to get them caught somehow. And it's just like which one is gonna gonna be the one that uh, that actually outs them, to use a term that we'll come to later. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I love the wordplay. There were so many. I remember that I could strangle you line. There was one where they were talking about him going up to 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 practice for his concert series that's coming up, and they're like, "You're gonna knock him dead." <laughs> yes, it's like he's already knocked somebody dead. Um, <laughs> and then uh, I loved the whole. I don't know if you noticed this, but when they they're having that conversation in in uh, Jace, I'm gonna call him Jay Stu. It's just quicker when Jay Stu is talking about his ideas on morality, like how murder should be allowed, and he's kind. It seems like it might be tongue in cheek or it might be real he basically invents purge night Did i was thinking that? that i was thinking that i was like i mean he first said like a week or a month maybe a or week or maybe just he called it like strangulation night or something yeah. like, oh and then God. i was like oh that's the purge <laughs> so perfect um <laughs> and i liked his first qualification of who could, the the poor excuses for murder what it was like a mattress full of money like a blonde woman it was just like it was very <laughs> funny <laughs> so yeah, I, I wanted to get into some of the, the queer coding in, in the movie. Um, and I also, I, I think I always thought that, I've heard a lot of people talk about it, but I guess I got, the, uh, I got the impression that maybe it was a little more subtle and people were just reading into things, which is fine because usually what they're reading into is really there. But when I was reading up on it, it's, it was absolutely factually based. Like, first of all, Leopold and Loeb were, were lovers. Um, the play is very explicit about their homosexuality. Uh, but for the because of the Hayes Code, they couldn't do that in the movie. But apparently, everyone on set knew that that's what they were trying to aim for, uh, and in, including the two lead actors who actually had conversations about how they were going to play the parts to make sure it was worked into the subtext. Um, but I guess they because they didn't want anyone who was involved in the code to get wind of it. They had to keep it so vague that the writer said later that he was he's actually not sure if Jimmy Stewart ever knew that he was, that his character was supposed to be homosexual <laughs> because, because no one was able to like talk about it out loud. <laughs> um, 
so there's a lot of I think there's a lot of stuff in the plot subtext in the plot about that like the way when they kill him in the beginning it's it's very much like a sexual act like they're there's a lot of strenuous activity and then they're kind of oh it's done how did you feel was it you know was it good for you <laughs> basically um and then there's a lot of like uh innuendo in the dialogue about about hiding uh like he says uh, a pity we couldn't have done it with the curtains open <laughs> Uh, there's, um, there's another line where somebody's describing Janet, she's banked everything on hooking David, don't think she'll succeed, which is sort of an implication that maybe David is also not into women and, and that she's sparking up the wrong tree. And of course the characters are very devoted to each other. They're kind of codependent, which is part of the problem. There's a line where when, before, uh, Jay Stu shows up, they're talking about his character and they say, some say he's peculiar, which is kind of a code word in the, at this time. Like, the guy's pe- peculiar, huh. someone who might appreciate what we've done here. I thought about inviting him in, you know, to our little group. <laughs> uh, and But then the, the worst one was when he's talking, when he admits that he he once saw Philip choke his chicken. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. I'm like, okay, all right. This is a really weird storyline about choking chickens. I don't know. I guess maybe this used to happen a lot on farms, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Seems very strange now. <laughs> <laughs> um, this was a, like, so this 1948 is pretty early, but he'd done It's Wonderful Life three years before this. It was six years before. Um, this was six years before Rear Window. Yeah, 1954. Isn't that interesting? Right? Yeah. And, um, but I saw him recently. I was going to tell you this, Shelley. I saw Jimmy Stewart recently in one of his first feature films. It was basically the first year he started working. He was in the sequel to The Thin Man called After the Thin Man. Oh. And uh, I mean, spoiler, I doubt you guys are going to watch it. But Jimmy, Jay Stu actually turns out to be the killer, which I didn't expect because I've only seen him play nice. Yes. Guys. Oh, that's interesting. I want to uh, But I, looking, I just thought about this today. Looking back, I should have suspected, I guess, because he is a thin man. <laughs> Yes, I think he was the only like thin man in the script, but he was very young. It was 1936. It was 12 years before this movie. And he was pretty cute. He's adorable. Um, So on the on the Leopold and Loeb thing, I just wanted to mention this. I didn't realize, uh, but there's a long list of other projects that were inspired by their story. Hmm. Uh, Like, do you remember that 2002 movie with Sandra Bullock called Murder by Numbers? It was an early That was loosely based on this. And, and once I heard that, I was like, oh, that makes sense. Oh, Those two okay. guys were like, they're yeah, yeah, yeah. codependent and they, one of them got talked into something, but they both got in trouble. Um, apparently Scream, a lot of people consider to be loosely got, based on this because I of the ability. Yeah, I got huge Stu and Billy vibes from the two of them. Okay, okay. yeah. I, as I'm watching murder. it. Yeah, I mean, as I I'm watching movie, it, I the way. Yeah. I was just thinking the way that I watched um, Brandon talk about stuff dropping the hints and being all proud of the way he did it really reminded me of Billy and his cockiness like you know he's licking the corn syrup and he's like corn syrup just like they used in Carrie for blood and the way he would reveal everything to Sydney is felt very much like Brandon Stu is kind of the weaker part he's the weaker link of the two like if Billy needed to he would have killed Stu to get away with everything just yeah. like I'm sure Brandon would have killed Philip if he needed to. Mm-hmm. Yep, I love that movie. I, I totally I felt that while watching the movie. Do you think that they were they would have killed um, Rupert or Jimmy Stewart's character? I if think they, I mean, they had the gun. They 
Do you think they would have gone through with that killing him as well? Just for to get away reason, with it? I don't think Brandon would have because I think Brandon for some Look, reason wants this respect from him. And he wants, worships him. Yeah. I, I think I, I think, think in the I think in the play, it's made more apparent that they had a little bit of a relationship when they were back in school, like a well, teacher-student thing, you know. I think Philip might have by just fear and accidental, like if he kept on walking closer towards Philip and Philip had a quicker reaction, might have accidentally pulled the trigger and then and then dropped the gun and be like, oh my God, what did I just do? And I thought maybe they would have, um, when he was looking out and he shot the gun off, I thought maybe they were going to push him out the window, uh, Rupert. Mm. I also wondered when he shot the gun straight out the window, where did that bullet go? I know, gosh. When <laughs> they go into the sky, I always think they come down somewhere it's on top of somebody's somewhere. head on the street. Well, he didn't even shoot it like up. He just shot it like shot straight, it straight out. Straight. So he like, shot someone across the way. Yeah, I think Brandon also wouldn't have, Philip might have, but Brandon probably wouldn't have shot him because Brandon was trying to think through how to get away with this. And if you shoot someone in, in your apartment with a gun, like how are you going to clean that up and get away yeah. with it? That causes even more problems. Um, I don't know. But uh, the last thing that I saw, there was a long list, but the last one I saw on the list that I thought might be interesting, interesting was for you, Takiya. Apparently, The Sinner, season three, is loosely based on the Leopold and Loeb. And I haven't watched that, but you are like The Sinner, right? Yeah, The Sinner, yeah. Okay. Season three, apparently, is also based on the Leopold Loeb story. Oh, that's the one with the, um, who's a hot guy? I'm sure there's a hot guy in every season, but... Do you think that the story of that season is like this movie? I can see that. It's, it's been a while. Um, I don't know. And I watched it. Yeah. Um, who, it's, it's Cheyenne. Cheyenne Jackson. Yes. Yeah. I think that's season three. I, I, oh, yeah. I can see that. Okay. okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's coming back to you. Okay. It is. It's, it's been a while. We watched so many shows. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting now that I just think about it. That happened in like 1924. It's almost 100 years ago. Oh, yeah. Gosh. Crazy. You know what? They were both kind of handsome, and when they're described, they're like handsome. Did you see their pictures? That's why I'm saying they were so young. They were eighteen and nineteen, and because they're described this way. But one of them had a unibrow, and I'm like, if he was wealthy, just get rid of it. I don't know. Why yeah. <laughs> keep it? But he was also obviously there were antisocial, like uh, sociopathic people. So he probably kept it just because he knew it would bother everybody. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I'm done. Thank you. Fad, right, let's hear what you have to say. Sure, let me bring back IMDb because I was just going to see what these people look like in real life. Uh, so I really enjoyed the movie a lot. I, I mean, everything everybody said so far, I completely agree with. Uh, when the movie first started, Eric, you actually mentioned it, I believe, about the fact that it started in silence, like there was no music. And that actually went on for quite a bit, even as the guests were arriving. And I'm like, this movie, it's weird watching a movie with no soundtrack in the back. It's very eerie and uncomfortable and i know that's kind of the tone that is meant to be set but then the moment somebody was like oh let's put on some music i was like yes please put some on because it's just uncomfortable um but i, I like their use of non-music to kind of set that tone and make you feel this kind of dread because you know what's really happening and has happened and you know what's really in the um the what what is it called the, the, chest? the chest chest thank you i was like not a case the chest <laughs> uh the entire time so i i like the atmosphere that it had um takia going on what you were saying about it's not this big like hollywood bam bam all these things happening mm -hmm. i that's what i appreciated also it's the yeah, restraint yeah. this movie was very restrained in its story yeah. and yes. it, in its storytelling 
in that it's very different from any movie I've really seen. Like, yeah, it's kind of mystery, kind of thriller, kind of murder. Like, it's all these things, but it's it's not. It's this weird thing about this guy, two guys who pulled off what they consider it could be a perfect murder, but one is nervous about it, and like you were saying, Eric, could give it away. The other is cocky about it and could give it away. But this movie wasn't like a mystery. Nobody's trying to figure it out. Even uh, Rupert kind of knows what's already going on. He's kind of already put it together. But it's no like looking for clues. It's nothing like that. It's no who's going to die next. It's It was a very different sort of movie and story. It's more like, how are these two going to be found out is really what it's going to be. I like the concept of just telling you who the killers are in the beginning. Yeah. There's no, I, I can't nothing think for of us examples, all. but I've seen it before. And it's like, this is, it's a very interesting way to do it. And then all of the drama comes from like, nobody knows. Yeah. Like, oh my God. Exactly. So it's a very different take, even though it's an early movie. So it's weird to say it's a different take on movies. Yeah. It's an early thing. Like, you what know. a fresh new idea. Yeah. <laughs> I, it would be nice if somebody did something like that now, um, where everything is always about the mystery, who did it, or the big mm-hmm. twist at the end. This didn't rely on any of that. Um, it just relied it's on- It's like we, the audience is in on the- Exactly. And, the secrets, and, but- and We're in on the secret and we now see it from these, we are like, wow, how are these people possibly feeling? Like they have no idea what's going on, but we do. It's kind of like when you watch Scream or any of those movies a second time. Now you know mm-hmm. what's going on and you can see. Whereas this movie is like, hey, we're going to just tell you up front what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I think with that, Shelly, I get where you're saying it can become more enjoyable and you can pick up more stuff the second time around. Because I'm so conditioned on movies today, I'm watching it waiting for what's the twist going to be? Right, is, he, right. is he actually really dead or could he be like banging from the chest <laughs> point or are they going to just wind up having to kill everybody one by one somehow to keep their secret like I was waiting for all that but now that I know what to expect I think watching it a second time I'll be able to focus on things a bit better I just imagined a comedy remake where they do have to kill each person <laughs> party one at a time and they have their whole apartment is filled with these chests that they keep putting the bodies <laughs> in there's like 20 chests yep. full of bodies at the end of the party <laughs> with one person left who's like Where'd everybody go? That's <laughs> well, and that one person left would be Mrs. Wilson, right? The maid. No. <laughs> I felt um, bad for her. They were a little mean to her every now and then. I'm like, they were mean to they her. Were, they were. I guess she is um, the hill, but. You know. But still, you shouldn't treat anybody like that. Um, but uh, I, I, but like- I kind of liked her flirtation with Jimmy Stewart because she wasn't like this young like 20 year old woman. She was like age appropriate for him. <laughs> Yes. Where they, they could have a flirtation and drink the champagne and eat the ice cream together. She was the later only one. So. Um, he gets older and his girlfriends get younger. Did you all catch the thing about Mrs. Wilson when she talked about how she had gotten a cold once and how was she like out for like two weeks or three two weeks? weeks. Yeah. 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 I was like, geez, a cold, <laughs> you know? Cold? She said that like colds are really bad these days. Something yeah. like that. <laughs> and then didn't Mrs. Atwater get confused because she's like wondering about like a cold in the summertime? Like it was this weird, she felt it's weird that you can get a cold in the summer. <laughs> it's like global warming doesn't exist because it's cold outside. How can it be warming? You know, people don't understand what how, the, how germs work. <laughs> you can have germs in the summer. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so overall though, I, I, I appreciated the way that the story went and 
how it ended. Um, I think, you know, the acting was great. I think uh, they did a really good job, the two leads, Brandon and Philip, at portraying what they are each meant to portray. Brandon, this cocky jerk. Philip, this kind of like, he probably just did whatever Brandon. Are Brandon and Philip the South Park Canadian, like, um, in that South Park movie? Oh, where they Terrence like, and Philip. Oh, Terrence, oh, Terrence and, and Philip. Terrence and Terrence and Philip. Those are my favorite characters <laughs> in South Park, though. Yes. No butters. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I think they both the actors did a really good job portraying those two types of characters. Um, and I really like Jimmy Stewart's whole like putting everything together and kind of planting seeds all along the way in both Brandon and Philip, but in the other guests as well. Um, I also liked uh, Mr. Kentley, uh, David's father, his reaction to Rupert's whole thing about murder and all and Brandon's enthusiastic responses to it and Mr. Kentley's the only person being like um is everybody seriously just sitting here <laughs> listening to this story right now like why is nobody else freaked out by their saying it's so like matter of fact like this could be real but then I think everybody's like oh it's just you know them just talking it's whatever but little do they know it's actually true yeah. and Brandon bought into that and did that so I was like, come on, everybody, Mr. Kentley sees it. Why doesn't anybody else? Um, but yeah, so uh, I think you guys covered everything else. But overall, um, I did really enjoy it. The music being silent at first was making me think like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to really enjoy this movie. Oh. It's just going to be boring. <laughs> people just talking, talking, talking the whole time. <laughs> and we've already talked about it, right? I've been very conditioned on movies of now. So when I watch celebrated movies from the past, I have a hard time getting into them because I am that person that needs like bam, bam, bam. But I think the different way that the story was told and what it revealed up front got me into it. So Good. it's my story. Good. I'm sticking with it. I'm, I'm a sucker. I'm a sucker for the clever dialogue. No, they don't write movies like they did. They in don't. I was thinking that so as sure. well. So witty. You should watch The Thin Man. Uh, I think the first one was 1934. Um, oh my gosh. I, I basically, my review for that movie was just a list of quotes. I could not <laughs> believe it. And some of the, they were so shocking. I was like, I can't believe they said this. <laughs> so, so funny. Mm -hmm. All right, Ms. Ruth, let's, let's hear you. What do you have to say? Okay. Well, I do, um, after hearing y'all, I do agree with a lot of the stuff y'all were saying, just kind of overall about the movie. Um, I will say it was harder for me to, to kind of get into it at first, just because, you know, how movies were different as far as like, it was moved slower than the ones do today. So it took me a little bit time to adjust, but, um, I will say I was thinking, um, as well as, you know, when they first start with Brandon and Philip and um, they kill, what was his name again? David. Yeah. Um, so they make it clear as far as that they're friends with him, but um, they don't give it to me as a ma major real reason about why they killed him to me in a sense, um, or if it, I know it had to do as far as with Brandon being with complete ignorance, but um. I kind of wanted to know he was obviously to me well once more of the story unraveled that like well you know they know that he sounds like a really good person and he um likes to check in with people and everything like that so 
I guess he realized, hmm, maybe this wasn't such a good idea. Maybe I didn't pick the right person to do that to because I think, um, I think Jay Stu's character makes that kind of makes that comment about how yeah. you could say like you're superior, but how do you decide what is superior and what is inferior? And it seems right. like Brandon just decided that he was better than David. Even though everyone at the party was talking about like, oh, David's so kind. He's so punctual. Yeah. He's so bright. He doesn't even have to study. I'm like, in what way are you superior to him? Uh, yeah. so it's sort of like. I just also sorry. thought it was someone that he that he could manipulate, that he could manipulate the whole situation. Like he knew his fiance. He knew his dad and could lure him uh, right. there. Like, I think it just all happened to like work together. You know what the truth is, is this bothers me sometimes with people is basically if you want to manipulate people you can it's it's actually it doesn't make you like superior or anything because most people like if they trust you they're not expecting you to be lying to them or tricking them just like janet janet was a very sharp person she knew what was going on and then she found out that he had orchestrated this whole thing to try to get her together with her her ex and she was rightfully pissed because like what right does he have to do that and he's so proud of himself it's like it's not hard to I hate it like when somebody bullshits you and then they're really proud of themselves for getting one over. And he was like, yeah. you're, you're proud because I trusted you that you weren't lying to me. <laughs> and right. then you yield you. That's not smart of you. You're just no. an asshole. <laughs> um, right, rant over. Yeah. And I also like how sharp Jimmy Stewart was too, because people kind of seemed like that they were thinking, oh, you know, this doesn't sound like him. Should we do anything? And then some of the characters obviously didn't look as far into it, but I do like how Jimmy Stewart no noticed the different clues. And when um, the maid, I'm trying to remember what her name is. Mrs. Wilson. Mrs. Wilson. That she got, she, was it her or Jimmy Stewart that grabbed that hat? She uh, grabbed the hat. He handed it to him. So that, yeah so he tried to put it on and he's like this doesn't fit and then i saw that it was like the big major clue with the guy's initials in the hat and yeah so then clearly that was like a red flag so he was in 1948 no man leaves an apartment without his hat that'd be crazy exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and dead? no on the street <laughs> horrible horrible yeah just like the whole thing with um bottles you know acted real well and it wasn't necessarily my favorite movie but i but I do love uh, Jimmy Stewart, and I do, you know, think Alfred Hitchcock is a great, great, great uh, is a great director as well. Um, and then, as far as the ending goes, like you kind of obviously get the idea that um, the guys are going to get caught. But I wish they kind of showed sh they show that they showed the whole scene as far as the actual happenings of it. I guess that the cops came up or however it unraveled. Yeah. I cops know. came to find where the gunshots came from. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Why too. is this crazy man shooting out the window? <laughs> How are they going to tell exactly which apartment it came from? I was like, you need to call them and tell them. Yeah, <laughs> I like yeah. hearing the people on the streets, like hearing like, was that a gunshot? Yeah, that was a gunshot. Like, it came kind from of up there. Yeah. <laughs> a bit of rear window because you could tell it was a stage set outside, you know, the city you could see in the voices. Like, I loved that. Yeah. I loved that. I love those old movie sets. So interesting how they put that together. And yeah. yeah. You couldn't see that smoke moving or anything, or clouds moving. So. <laughs> yeah, with the factory, but the smoke doesn't move. Yeah. Yeah. 
I was desperate the whole time to know what did the neon sign on the other side through the window say? Because it was right up against their building. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Parts of certain letters. I was like, what does it say? And why would anyone put a neon sign there in the first place? <laughs> right. Speaking of neon signs, did you all catch, was an Alfred Hitchcock in the outline of the neon? I did not. Oh, was he? I didn't pay attention to at all. Hmm. He apparently tries to make, does he make cameos in every single movie? In That's what I thought, yes. But this one was pretty, pretty little. Subtle. Yeah, because there's only, I, I mean, it would that. be random to have just some man <laughs> come in for a second. Yeah, seriously. Hey. He should have rang the doorbell and been like, did any of y'all order a pizza? Yeah. So, <laughs> when did pizza delivery start? Beginning no, of the worst the- porn ever. <laughs> <laughs> random ball guy. <laughs> Um, did you guys know that uh, Hitchcock originally wanted Cary Grant to play uh, r- the character of Rupert, the the headmaster, huh. uh, because he wanted the main cast to be um, homosexual, and Cary Grant was known yeah. to be homosexual, but right. Cary Grant turned him down. And I honestly think that's better because I'm trying to imagine Cary Grant playing the character. I was like, I think it's much better because Jimmy Stewart has that professor vibe. Mm. Oh yeah. Um, and he's not intimidating in any way, really. So I think it worked out a lot better. Yeah. Well, I think those are pretty much my thoughts of right now. And- All right. <laughs> so are we done discussing? Well, are there any scenes we didn't touch base on? Because there's one I can think of, uh, just to call it out, uh, that I oh. thought was crazy. The, the one where they you um, you can't see the rest of the party. You can hear them talking. But you watch Mrs. Wilson slowly clearing off the chest right up until the moment she's actually gonna open it i'm like oh my god oh my god (laughs) yeah 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 how are brandon and philip not seeing this (laughs) well i like that moment where she was actually um talking about it with rupert about how odd it was that they she was gonna set this nice big dinner table and she's like but then i had to put it all on this little chest and yeah like yeah like at some point are they gonna is he gonna be like well let's see what's inside the chest i know i know i keep waiting for that the hidden innuendos too with calling it when he called it, Brandon called it the altar and all that stuff. And oh. yeah, pretty morbid. Mm. A psycho. Yeah. Yes, it's just awful. Sociopath who has no regard for any regards for anybody's feelings and no. doesn't have a and just the fact wrong. that it was his dad there, his aunt there, his Oof. his fiance. His mom was gonna be there, David. Uh, yeah, his mom, mom was gonna come. be there. It's just <laughs> Yeah, he literally only invited people that he wanted to sort of rub this in their face. Yes. Without yeah. them realizing he was rubbing it in their face. Like, it's kind of like, I know the secret. None of you all know it. You're all going to be real upset when David never comes home. And I'll just, I, you'll you'll see, I won't even hurt a flight now. <laughs> oh, and then imagine them finding out that they ate dinner over his dead body. Oh. Yeah. At least the meat wasn't made of David. Yeah. No, that, yes. yeah. It's very unsanitary, though. <laughs> That what would if, be what the if twist if they made that present day. They would oh, make it. Oh, that's what they would do. What would have been funny is if David had gotten in a fight with either Kenneth or Janet and his last words, like they were saying, he was like, maybe Janet was going to say, well, I'm still going to go to that dinner party. And he would have said something like, well, over my dead body. Yeah. Oh, did, yeah, yeah, yeah. go and eat over his dead body. They did, yeah. Oh, maybe, yeah. you know, when he didn't arrive, somebody should have said, well, maybe he got hung up somewhere. Yes. <laughs> Or tied up somewhere. Tied up, yeah. Um, there was a that roped around. into another party. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. 
there was another interesting scene, the one where um, Philip breaks the glass and cuts his hand, which oh, yeah. I thought was interesting because he just takes the bloody glass and puts it on the barge. Yeah, <laughs> I thought that was gross. And, and nobody notices the blood covered glass later. Uh-huh. Yeah. He just that might have been like down. a pothole there. They didn't notice bloody glass. How you not, they, how did I see that? I was thinking he needs to throw that away. That is disgusting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, well, um, that's all I can remember. But uh, I thought those were interesting. Uh, interesting. Yeah, for sure. I'm trying to think. I think um, we covered I it like all. The, there was one scene where I think it was Janet when <clears throat> they started realizing what Brandon was doing by also inviting Kenneth and stuff. I like when mm-hmm. she kind of pulled him to the side where it looked like she was just getting him to show. But then she kind of directly was like, yes, what are you doing? And it's, what? I, lo- I loved how she went this painting but she's pointing when the camera turns onto her it's she's pointing at a blank wall because yeah she's like i'm looking right at you and i'm not here to talk about a painting it's no, a painting. i'm here yeah. to call you out because i see what you're doing you jerk yeah yeah i like that interaction that was super cute she reminded me of somebody but i could not put my finger yeah uh, i loved her i loved her character Good. too joan chandler maybe a little bit oh, do you want to hear something really sad though because of course i looked it up but every single one of those people have passed away oh well, of course, it was uh, seventy. Yeah, yeah. Well, some of them, like one or one of them, I think, just passed away maybe several years ago. Um, yeah, one of them, I think, like made it to like ninety something. Yeah, I think Jimmy Stewart. He was pretty old when he died, but it was like in the nineties, right? Jimmy Stewart yeah, died he passed away in ninety seven at eighty nine. Whoa! But I think Farley Granger made it into the into the two thousands. Yeah, the guy who played David died at seventy seven. Oh, it was sad. The guy who played Brandon died at the age of 50. Oh, oh my gosh. And, oh, and, and I remember Janet also died. At, she died at 55. Oh. What? What? From what? What did they say? I don't know. I'm just on their IMDb's. All the smoking and martinis from the 40s? Maybe yeah. Mrs. Wilson. Mrs. Wilson but they had fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, Philip made it to 85. Kenneth made it. Oh, Kenneth is the one. He made it to 95 years old. Wow. Um, Mr. Kentley made it to 71. Mrs. Kenneth, Atwater made it to 77. Kenneth was a cutie and Hitchcock to 80. Unfortunately, was not one of the gay actors, but he was adorable. He was my favorite. Kenneth? Yeah, the blonde how, that they're trying to. How dare you? <laughs> oh, wow. Um, Hitchcock died at the age of 80 in 1980. Wow. Oh, we are, wow. He, he was born in 1899. I've seen his last feature film, the uh, what was called the Family, the Family Affair, Family Affair. I think that's what it's called, or Family Jewels. Oh my God! Now I can't remember. It's been like 20 years. Family since Plot. Family Plot. It's got Barbara Harris in it, and I absolutely love her. You would know her as the mom from the original Christmas Friday. Oh, okay. But it's just weird to watch a movie, a Hitchcock movie from the late 70s, because it's a yeah. totally different vibe. Um, <laughs> yeah. None of the class. There's no more class there. You know? There was always class in a Hitchcock movie. Not in the 70s. Not anymore. Not in the 70s. There was no, no class in the 70s. <laughs> not from the 70s movies we've watched. No, for sure. <laughs> All right. Before we move on, does anyone have anything that they want to add? I won't quote, is a crime for most men, privilege for a few. Ah. Interesting also a kind of veiled gay thing. <laughs> 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 My quote leads me to gay. 
All right. Well, it is that time again for. For what? We close each episode with the recast game where we each play casting director and choose a different actor from any era, living or dead, to portray a character in the film instead. First up, I'm going to say Fahad. Who do you recast? I am going to recast the character of Mr. Kentley, which is David's father. Uh, if we were to make the movie today, I would cast him with Stanley Tucci. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that would be cool. That is good. I see that. So in the movie today, it's Stanley Tucci. I like it. All right. How about you, Ruth? Well, I thought, um, I so Jimmy Stewart um, did a great job as Rupert, but I thought as far as um, someone else, if they were going to p- play someone homosexual in that time frame i thought maybe um i thought rock rock hudson would be cool oh i had him on my long list but i didn't i didn't choose him in the end but yeah oh cool (laughs) well i pick next myself and i would have recast brandon with uh jason sudeikis because i think he would make the perfect arrogant jerk I can see that. I can absolutely see that. Would you make him blonde or keep his brunette hair? <laughs> I'd probably make him blonde. Blonde okay. him up. Interesting. Um, all right, Eric. Okay. I Again, I had a long list, but I have settled on um, recasting Philip. And I was also thinking of other uh, known gay actors from the time. And I thought Roddy McDowell w- would be a good choice for him. Mm. He seems like the bottom <laughs> and, and, and plays nervous pretty well. Um, so it would be a slightly different take on the character, maybe even more nervous, a little more jittery about everything. And uh, I think uh, that would be cute. Yeah. Mm. And last but not least, Takia. As I'd recast um, Brandon with Alexander Skarsgård. Ah, oh. uh, yeah, I think he had. I think he could play a prick pretty well. I've seen him do that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And so I think yeah, in our our movie of today, uh, actually several of our of us can made a movie with today people. So yes, yeah, I can see the, that. Yeah, you got two Brandons though. I was. That's what I realized. We have two Brandons. <laughs> oh yeah. They have to fight it out. Today, because to fight it out. Yep. Yeah sweet all righty well i think it's time to rate the movie so we should open up our chat enter our number and raise our thumbs and wait until fahad counts us down see everybody's thumbs are up okay so i'm going to count from three to zero and on the row of zero hit enter three two one zero all righty Oh, wow. Okay. Shelly? So I'm going to read these to you. And Fahad gives it a four. Ruth gives it a three. Shelly gives it a 4.5. Eric gives it a five. And Takia gives it a four. Wow. Four of the scores are four or more. Wow. Ooh. That's it's the first time Fahad and Takia have agreed. 
No, tequila. Yeah. I'm a four. Tequila was a four. Oh, tequila was a four. Yeah. That was a four. Oh, wow. You thought it was a five? No. Uh, that's the first time. <laughs> yeah. Last week, I think, was the first time Shelly and I agreed. That's yeah, right. The first time Tequila yeah. and I have agreed. <laughs> tequila, I think your rating was fantastic this week. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> so the average is a 4.1. Nice. Very nice. Yeah. All righty. So are we moving now to hear what Takia is announcing for next week? Hey, so um, I chose a movie starring Kate Blanchett. Um, It was actually made last year. Uh, I think it got some awards. Let's see. Oh, I think you're taking my choice for next week, but go on. Dude. Oh, no. I just say bro. Um, bro, which is a three-letter word, I think is the same <laughs> as the title of the movie you're about to give us. Is it? So, um, Maybe. I really thought this was an Academy Award something. Interesting. I, I have a, Yes, it was. Golden Globe. It was nominated for Best Motion Picture in a mm-hmm. Drama. Best being Green Play. Oh, then I think she's talking about a different movie for her. <laughs> I think she's talking about the one that's three letters. It is three letters. Yeah. Um, okay. Because that one is Oscar nominated. I'm leading into it. Best motion picture in a drama, best screenplay. And Kate Blanchett won best actress in a motion picture for this, for a drama. Um, won best score. And Academy Awards, best, well, damn. Best picture, best director, best visual screenplay, best actress. I think it was nominated for all those, right? Everything, yeah, nominated, yeah, yeah. nominated, yeah. And Blanch- Blanchett won Best Actress for this. It got so much recognition. I watched the Oscars. I'm an Oscars Academy Awards nerd. Yeah. Um, so I decided, I mean, I want to check this out. I like Kate Blanchett. I like her movies. Um, tall. Tall. Do we have yeah, to say so that? that was going to be my choice for next week. Seriously? Yeah. I learned oh that ever happened. Because <laughs> a while ago, I wanted, I wanted to do it for my movie two times ago, but it wasn't streaming yet. Oh then I wanted gosh. to do it last time, but it wasn't streaming for free. Now it's on Peacock. So I was like, oh, now is my turn to finally get to do Shut Tar. Up. I can't believe that. Oh my God. So Tare, Tar. 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 Um, tar. Tar. T- yeah, T-A-R. Tar. 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 Oh, it sounds crazy. Oh, yeah. Is so, it- um, lead in for this movie is that it's about a, a, uh, orchestra conductor. Um, she's the first female chief conductor at the Berlin Philharmonic, Philharmonic and um, was accused of sexual abuse. And that's where it's kind of just a basic plot of where the story is. We go, we, so we go from there. So see what happens. Sorry, Faha. Now you have to think of something new. I know. Now I'm like, what am I going to do? Sorry, that's crazy. Our minds think alike. That's you better thinking. think of a good one. It's our season finale. I right? know. I thought Tara was going to be a lot of pressure. One. I was like, Oscar nominated. <laughs> like, you know. Well, hey, Faha, I'm curious about the, the Brendan Fraser one. I don't know. No, 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 no. I'm not. No, no, no okay. idea. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I declare this episode of Old Fogies and Films concluded. Thanks for joining us. You can find us on Facebook and find our list on Letterboxd. Don't forget to leave a comment or review. Everybody say bye. 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 I was going to write here, everybody say purge. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody say say murder. (laughs) Murder.